My name is Mike Lovett. I'm your host of And If Love Remains. In 1946, a journalist and author named Henry Hazlitt wrote a book called Economics in One Lesson. This is a book that has been very influential among many economists and, and, and many received their first lessons in economics in this short book. And I'd really recommend anybody to read it. It's a great book. But it was written in 1946. It is a little bit dated. Um, and recently, well, relatively recently, in 2011, um, a man by the name of John Popola, he uh, produced a song actually two songs but we're going to talk about one today and you can call this economics an economic lesson in one song it's a brilliant song um the one we're going to talk about is called fight of the century Keynes versus hayek economics rap battle round two um it's round two because there is a song that, there is a, a rap battle that actually went bef- came before it um which is a little bit more technical i think this is a better starting place and uh, um, I'm excited to go through it. This was such a fun song to listen to and wrap your hands around. There's a lot going on here. So what I'm going to do, this is something new, is, I, is I'm going to take this thing apart. We're going to listen to it in pieces. And um, what I really enjoy about this is um, you can, um, is, is, although it does definitely come from a free market Perspective. In other words, um, in my opinion, Hayek gets the better ar- arguments, um, but they're not strawmen. Um, they're not taking Keynes and um, and strawmanning them. They're they're making really good arguments on both sides, and uh, and I and I really appreciate about this about this argument. Um, first, a little bit about Keynes and Hayek. Um, they were contemporaries. Um, They're both, both world-renowned economists. Um, John Maynard Keynes, um, his probably um, is maybe the most important pe- uh, economist of the 20th century. Um, and he um, came up with a school of thought. It's now known as, as Keynesian economics. Um, but it, but basically, it's it's an idea that um, uh, governments can play a very large role and help to stimulate an economy. Um, if it can, if if it looks like there is a recession or depression com- coming, that simply by infusing money into the markets, um, it doesn't matter where that comes from or what kind of debt is is occurred. Um, but what matters is that, that you, you have this infusion of capital that gets in and kind of sparks the economy and, and keeps it going. And, and the idea was that by doing that, it would keep um, depressions or recessions into turning into depressions. And it would keep um, uh, even certain recessions from, 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 um, uh, from actually happening. Um, if we could catch it in time. Um, so that was the theory. Um, Frederick Hayek is a Nobel Prize winning economist as well. Um, his probably most famous book is The Road to Serfdom. Um, and it's a beautiful book. It's a really important book. Um, but he um, comes from an um, Austrian perspective, which is a free market idea. And that idea is is basically that um, 
the Austrian economic economic model is one of the the business cycle, meaning that if if governments infuse money into an economy, it creates malinvestment. Malinvestment is simply a way of saying that people are going to invest in certain things and overprice them and create a bubble. Um, and when that happens, a bubble is inevitable. And the problem isn't from the bubble itself, but it becomes beforehand. It comes from a an infusion of cash that um, um, and and. Anyway, so that's the theory, and so so the the these recessions and these depressions are actually caused by the um, solution <laughs> that that Keynes um, implements. So, so you can see, I mean, it's a very it, it's a very important debate that today. So, um, I, the thing I love about the song is that it really brings it into a um, a way of, um, understanding this very simply. Um, but I'm going to go through it one by one. And now I am not an economist. I don't even pretend to be one on TV. Um, I'm a musician. And the great thing about being a musician is you only have to spell to G and you only have to count to four most of the time. So, um, so I'm not pretending to, to, to step outside my bounds, but I do think I can provide maybe some perspective on, um, and at least some commentary that can help people understand these, these really important concepts. So we're going to jump into the song the right now. Return of the master. <laughs> John Maynard Keynes. F.A. Hayek, round two, round 2.0. Same economists, same beliefs. New microphones, new mustaches. Here we are, peace out, great recession. Thanks to me, as you see, we're not in a depression. Recovery, destiny, if you follow my lesson. Lord Keynes, here I come, line up for the procession. Okay, so it's important to realize that this was produced in 2011. So we are coming out of the Great Recession of um, 2008, 2009. And, um, and that was a very difficult time for a lot of people. Um, and so here's Keynes. He's making this case that, listen, all you got to do is follow my prescription. I've got the answer. And, um, and if you follow these, you know, these, these things, if, we, if you do these things, then... Not only will uh, we will see recovery happen, um, so we brought out the shovels and we're still in a ditch and still digging. Don't you think it's time for a switch from that hair of the dog, friend? The party is over. The long run is here. It's time to get. Sober. Okay, so here is Hayek coming in and saying, "Listen, this solution has been tried over and over, and all it has done is created larger and larger bubbles." And um, and the hair, when he's talking about the hair of the dog, what he's talking about is um, the idea that, listen, if, if we're going to a collapse, the idea is that you, you pour, like, like, a, um, like a, somebody who's hungover, you give him a little bit of alcohol to, you know, have him get, get over uh, his, his hangover. Um, it's the same thing with a recession, is that you need to give it more money, try to boost the economy with this cash um, influx. And, and uh, usually that's the government that's... It, going to do it. You, it doesn't have to be the government, but it, it typically is. So let's see what Kane's response is. Are you kidding? My cure works perfectly fine. Have a look. The Great Recession ended back in 09. I deserve credit. Things would have been worse. All the 
Testament's proven. I'll quote chapter and verse. Econometricians are ever so Okay, so here's Cain saying, listen, it, it worked. Because this is what the what governments do. I mean, this is such a great excuse for governments to spend lots of money and to um, inflate the economy. Is is hey, if we're going to recession, then what we need to do is is uh, pour money into it and and you know um, bail companies out. You know, however we get money into the system, we got to get money into the system. And he's saying, look, it worked. In two thousand nine, we were out of the Great Recession. Um, and if you look at all the numbers, the numbers point to that. And, and the numbers also point that, um, that it would have been worse if, if we wouldn't have done it. So that's his argument. First, econometricians are ever so biased. Are they doing real science or confirming their bias? Their Keynesian models are tidy and neat, but that top-down approach is a fatal conceit. Oh. What's Hayek saying? This top-down approach is a fatal conceit. He's saying that, Keynes, you created this theory and you created this model and so the theory is already built into the model so to say it would have been worse maybe it would have maybe it wouldn't have but we can't say that because the model is already based on um on your theory and so um it's it's a lot like polls you know if if um if if we take a poll you know, and we say, here's the results of a poll. Well, that doesn't mean anything unless we understand what's behind the poll and what the questions were asked and what um, it, it, we have to look beyond. Um, we have to not just look at the results. We have to look at in our mind's eye um, of what, and, and that's a lot of what um, economics in one lesson was about, you know, is, is this idea that, that um, you know, for example, if, um, if you create a, um, rent control, well then rent's lower for everybody, right? Well, yeah, but then why would anybody build any new housing? I mean, what would be the incentive to build any new housing or what would be the incentive for the, the landlord to fix anything? Because if, if, if there's no new housing, there's a great, um, uh, there's a lot of people that's right behind you. So, so it, it creates a lot of problems. And, and that's what we're talking about is, is knowing, you know, trying to imagine what the unknown is. And when you're just basing these things on models, um, we can't say, oh, it would have been worse. We don't know that. Okay, this is what I'm talking about. We we could have so we we could have no recession if we if all we do is spend more. Well, with that with, with that theory, like then we should just spend all the money all the time. Like that's that's the problem. Um, and, and in fact, he admits it. He says, "Well, the the only time there it's politically feasible." for a lot of spending to happen is when there's a war. And I mean, come on. And, and this is what I, I know. I learned this in school. Wait a sec. Uh, didn't world, wasn't it world war two that, that cut short the depression? Well, 
that's kind of a funny argument because if that's true, then that means all the um, um, all the New Deal stuff that FDR did didn't work. And I think there's a lot of evidence that it didn't work. Um, I mean, we can we can have an argument for or against you know Social Security. I mean, like th- those are that those aren't the point. The point is what cut if we're talking about what causes or what um cuts shorts depression is it government spending is it for work projects i mean like what was it wow one data point and you're jumping for joy the last time i checked wars only destroyed there was no multiplier consumption just shrank as we use scarce resources for every new tank pretty perverse to call that prosperity Ration meat, ration butter, a life of austerity. When that war spending ended, your friends cried disaster. Yet the economy thrived and grew faster. Okay, so Hayek, I think this is such a brilliant point. Um, you know, my grandfather fought in World War II, and and I remember him talking about um, gas shortages, you know, everything being rationed. Um, they couldn't go to certain places. They couldn't um, have certain foods at certain times. I mean, it was it was um, it was not a time of great prosperity during the war, um, and 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 I think that that is a brilliant point. Wars do not create economic booms. They only destroy. They destroy capital. They destroy lives. They destroy people. And and I think it is absolutely evil for anybody to say we sh- or, to, or to imply that a war can be a boon to the economy. Um, again, that's 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 seeing just one part of the story. It's it, it's it's the. Um, it's the broken glass syndrome, you know. Um, does it help the economy when uh, when a glass window is broken and you have to call the window maker to, to come and fix the, fix the window? Well, it helps his economy, but what? And, and so we can say, well, that wouldn't have happened unless the window was broken. Well, again, by that um, argument, then we should break all the windows all the time, and then the economy would flourish. No, because the the answer is. We have to see what would have that money done instead of fixing the window. What would have that money done instead of going to war? What have that money done instead of building the dam? What have that m- money done instead of this? Instead of that, um, and 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 that's the real question. And so I think it is absolutely perverse for anybody to make an argument that a war can help solve any kind of economic de- uh, recession or depression. It's perverse. You too only see what you want to see The spending on war clearly goosed GDP Unemployment was over, almost down to zero That's why I'm the master, that's why I'm the hero In response to that, he says, look, GDP went up And and when we're talking about GDP, we're talking And this is part of the problem, is you have these aggregate numbers You have all these numbers that are put together to create GDP But that doesn't tell the whole story That just tells you part of the story It tells you that... that um, uh, consumption. I don't even know what it tells you exactly, but, but again, I'm just a musician, but my, my point is, um, uh, he, what he's saying is, listen, everybody worked, you know, we all, we had jobs. Um, we were, we were, in fact, you know, that was the first time when women were a huge part of the workforce. Um, and it, the, the, I should say the modern workforce, cause clearly they worked before that. They, they did a lot of work um but but part of the modern kind of economy workforce um 
and um, that they um, and there was a shortage of work because there was so much needed for the war effort. Okay, but again, that goes back to the broken glass syndrome. Then we should have war all the time. Like, and maybe that's you know, that's what uh, uh, Eisenhower um, uh, lamented or, or or you know prophesied when he talked about the the um, the military industrial complex. You know, is there's going to be an excuse, and it's, a lot of it's going to be economically driven that we can have war all the time. Again, I, I, I'm just going to tell you that I think that's perverse. I think that is not the right way to look at it because what would have the money, let's just look at it um, analytically. What would have that money done instead of going to tanks, instead of going to um, destroying other people's lives? I mean, what, what kind of businesses could have been created to actually serve other people as opposed to kill other people? So, sorry. Uh, that's that's a deal breaker for me. I you know, we can have arguments, and I'm sure there are economists that can. Again, I'm not a trained economist, so um, I'm I'm not trying to say that this is the answer. I'm just trying to tell you my perspective and and why I think that that argument is. Um, Creating employment's a straightforward craft when the nation's at war and there's a draft. If every worker was staffed in the army and fleet, we'd have full employment and nothing to eat. Okay, so <laughs> so Hike made my argument much better than I did. Um, I mean, if if your goal is to have full employment, if that's the number one target goal, then yes, have war all the time, and you have so and we become like North Korea, a, a bunch of soldiers and nothing to eat. We're all starving because there's no farmers. We've all become soldiers, and and. You know, we have to go to the to the ends of these arguments to see if they hold up. And so, yeah, if that if that's your goal is to, um, it's easy to have full employment. You have a draft. You force everybody into employment, and you force everybody to to go to war, and then um, and and see what the consequences are. So, take that, Keynes. People work to live better, to put food on the shelves. Real growth means production of what people demand. That's entrepreneurship, not your central plan. Okay, so this is Hayek again, and Hayek is saying, again, what what is the goal? If we're like, I, I really, I kind of dislike even in the media today. We talk about jobs and unemployment, and we talk about things like that because that's not the real, um, that's not the real deal, like. It, we can have slavery and have everybody work, but that's not what we want. What we want is for people to live fulfilled lives and to be able to, to um, live in such a way that they can take care of themselves and their family and do something fulfilling and make, make their own choices. And, um, and for some people that might mean, um, it might mean something different than, than to somebody else. And so, 
Um, and so jobs in, of themselves is not um, the ends. They're a means to the end. The end is to live a fulfilling life. And the job is a way that one can find fulfillment in that life. My solution is simple and easy to handle. It's spending that matters. Why is that such a scandal? Money sloshes through the pipes and the sluices. Revitalizing the economy's juices. It's just like an engine that's stalled and gone dark. To bring it to life, we need a quick spark. Spending's the lifeblood that gets the flow going. Where it goes doesn't matter. Just get spending flowing. Okay, so this is this is a great argument that Keynes making. He's like, 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 what's your problem, Hayek? Like, the all I'm saying is that what we need to do is when when the economy goes dark, when things go bad, um, we we need we need a mechanism, we need a way to to spark it back to life, and um, and the way we do that is by by. It doesn't matter what we could spend it on on turtles. We could spend it on on war. We could spend it on like it doesn't matter. What matters is that we flood the economy with money, and keep things moving. Keep things moving. Um, it's that circular circular flow argument that um, you know, as long as money is changing hands. You know, money changing hands it, again. This is this, in my okay. So this is this is the theory that as long as money is changing hands, like that's what the economy is. Is is, is this this going? How quickly can money go from? It's called velocity. How quickly can money flow from one person to the other? Well, again, um, if that's you, you can say that as a data point. In other words, you can you can use that as a way to diagnose a problem but that isn't a problem in and of itself um and and there's a lot of reasons why i don't think it is but um the the point is like yes if that's if that's all you're looking at is the circular flow of money then what you need to do is pour a bunch of money into it um now the problem is how you it does matter how you do it because as we as we've seen recently you know you, you give a bunch of money to the banks and magically they don't they don't loan it out they hold on to it and it's because people are smarter than we give them credit for oh there's just there's tons of money we can now go spend it no the banks know what's going on and they're going to hold on to it and they're not going to lend it out because they know that that it's it's coming like people can see when it's fool's gold and that's what it is is fool's gold you'll see slack in some sectors as a general blood but some sectors are healthy only some in a rut so spending's not free that's the heart of the matter too much is wasted as cronies get fatter the economy's not a car there's no engine to stall no expert can fix it there's no it at all the economy's us we don't need a mechanic put away the wrenches the economy's organic okay so there's a couple of points i want to make here there's a ton like this would be a section if I was doing a class that you could spend, you know, a week on. There's a lot of this in this one little section. But first thing, just because one sector is down doesn't mean the entire economy is down. That's that's the first that's the first thing that Hayek is saying. The second thing he's saying is um, many times, and I would I would argue almost all the time. Um, anytime people are going to mess with the economy, they're going to mess with the, the Fed rate, they're going to mess with, they're going to um, pump money in. Um, it is more to help their friends than it is to help the economy. 
And we see, we saw this just with the coronavirus when, um, when the, the, the small business loans, um, came out, you know, this is a, this is, was a, a, an idea that, wow, you know, the, we're shutting down the whole economy. And, um, so people are going to need money in order to keep their businesses afloat. So they created these loans. Well, where did those loans go, go to? I mean, we could just look at it. Millions of dollars went to these large companies and went to um, political cronies. It happens every single time, every single time. Okay. The second thing I want to, I want to mention in this section, the economy is not like a car to be fixed. It's like a tide to be harnessed. It is a natural phenomenon, the ebbs and flows of the economy. And it's such an, an important thing to understand. Like, like, um, 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 trying to, to, to harness or try to, trying to, um, hold back the economy is trying to lasso the moon and only bad things happen. <laughs> I mean, not only can you not do it, but, but, but bad things happen when you try to do it. Um, and, and what happens is, is another boom you know, starts to, um, I mean, think about how the housing boom even happened. Why did it happen? It happened because there was a, a market crash, a stock market, um, bubble. And, um, and so, uh, in order to help, um, you know, 2001, um, there was a stock market bubble that crashed. And when that crashed, what did we do? We said, Oh, we need to um, lower interest rates. Well, the effect of lowering interest rates were to create a housing bubble because people could then borrow money very, very, very cheaply under a natural rate. And when that happens, um, and and then you you create an environment um, where banks aren't allowed to fail or 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 are you know quote too big to fail. Um, when you create that kind of environment, then then you're you're building into itself. A, a, a boom bust cycle or a bust boom cycle. Um, and that's what, what's happening. So the, the, the economy is not like, it's not a computer that you can just mess with the, um, with the dials on it. The economy is you and me and everybody living their lives. And that's what Tyke's trying to say is, is it's individual decisions made by individual people with their own dreams and their own ideas and what they want to do. And for us to try to, um, um, you know, to manipulate that, um, is, is what causes a lot of these problems. you seem to avoid when we're in a mess would you have us just wait doing nothing until markets equilibrate okay so i think this might be one of uh kane's best arguments is um so what what you're saying is you just want us to sit back and do nothing like it, when when there's hurting when people are hurting and there's significant problems like what is the answer we have to do something and i hear i have a solution we're going to 
we're going to give people or we're going we're going to we're going to um pump the economy with a lot of cash and what the, that's going to give people hope it's going to give people the idea that that um they're you know frankly that they're richer than they are and um and so then so then that's going to keep the economy going so what is your solution like that's my solution what do you say and i th- actually think that's a really excellent argument like um nobody likes to sit back and do nothing when there's a problem and and it seems hayek and austrian economists are saying well hey it's not a big deal um that's not what they're saying but but i can totally see that argument of like hey it's no big deal like uh you know, oh, hey, just get just code, <laughs> you know, just learn to code, just just figure something else out, you know. Um, all right, so let's see what Hayek's response to that is. I don't want to do nothing. There's plenty to do. The question I ponder is who plans for whom? Do I plan for myself or leave it to you? I want plans by the many, not by the few. Let's not repeat what created our troubles. I want real growth, not a series of bubbles. Stop bailing out losers. Let's prices work. If we don't try to steer them, they won't go berserk. Come on. Okay, so Hayek is saying, yeah, there's lots to do, but it's not for somebody a thousand miles away to decide what I should do with my life. And it's not for, um, and, and what is really happening is giving false growth, um, signals. It's kind of like, um, if you have a, if you have a car and you're driving and you see the check oil light, or the check engine light come on and you know, you're like, uh Oh, that's going to be a problem. Oh, I got a solution. I'm going to go and I'm just going to snip the cable. And now the light won't turn on. Now everything's fixed. And that's Hayek's argument. He's saying all you're doing, all you're doing is covering up the real problem. And we're going to create a bigger bubble and a bigger bubble and a bigger bubble. Come on, are you kidding? Don't Wall Street gyrations challenge a worldview of self-regulation? Even you must admit that the lesson we've learned is more oversights needed or else we'll get burned. Okay, so Keynes is saying, wait a sec, we tried this. <laughs> He's saying, you saying I tried it and it didn't work. Well, I'm saying you tried it and it didn't work. You know, uh, we, we, we tried self-re- uh, self-regulation and what happened? Like this is... Uh, this is what caused his argument is, is this is what caused the great recession um, is all these um, private companies, you know, doing bad loans and, and, you know, greedy corporations. Um, and, um, you know, so, so we actually need a um, referee. We need somebody um, to come in and say, um, this is how things should be. Re- we need to regulate things even more, and um, so that's that's his Oversight. The government's long been in bed with those Wall Street execs and the firms that they bled. Capitalism's about profit and loss. You bail at the losers. There's no end to the cost. The lesson I've learned it's how little we know. The world is complex, not some circular flow. The economy's not a class you can master in college. To think otherwise is the pretense of knowledge. Okay, I would. I want again. There's a lot kind of packed into there, but one thing I want to mention at the very beginning, it's it is an incestuous, incestuous relationship that government has with 
big finance. And if you look at the Fed, if you look at the um, Secretary of the Treasury, anybody who makes you know decisions from Washington about the economy, they're all the same people that run Wall Street firms. And that's why you get ideas like too big to fail. I don't know who thought uh, it would be okay for people to do terrible loans and then the government bail them out just so they so that they could pay, um, you know, huge bonuses to people. I mean, that's ridiculous. But that's what happened. And that's because it's the same people who are in government that are the he- they, they come from the same places. And then you have the same people that are commenting on them in the media. So it's this it's it's this echo chamber. And that's and that's a real, real problem is it's all the same people that are talking to each other and making these decisions. Okay, so this is Keynes um, basically saying that, look, um, we need the state involved in this. The state needs to have the authority to um, come in and fix things when it sees that things are wrong. Um, The problem is, you know, who watches the Watchmen? I mean, (laughs) um, you know, like at some point, um, these... the the um, it, it is a corrupting force to give somebody that much authority. People aren't chessmen you move on a board at your whim, their dreams and desires ignored. With political incentives, discretion's a joke. Those dials are twisting, just mirrors and smoke. We need stable rules and real market prices so prosperity emerges and cuts short the crisis. Give us a chance so we can discover the most valuable ways to serve one another. <laughs> Okay, I love that Hayek ends on this point, and I just want to reemphasize it. Give us the opportunity to discover the ways that we can best serve one another the most valuable ways that we can serve one another. That's the argument for free markets. That's the argument is that we need to be able to, um, based on our own desires and our own natural talents and, um, our own, um, ambitions, discover ways that we can serve each other and um, there's nothing greedy about that Um, 
trust me, greed can play a role and, and, and we can talk about that in a future episode and I'm happy to. Um, but at the heart of it, it's about individuals making individual choices, um, and having people, having, um, people with quote authority get out of the way so that we can figure out the best way that we can serve one another. In the description, I'm going to have a link to the YouTube video uh, by Emergent Order. Um, And uh, hopefully I can, um, hopefully I'll be able to to get John uh, uh, Papola, Papola, I hope I say that name right. I hope to get him on. Um, I think he's an absolute genius in in what he did here. Um, He does have his own podcast. I'll also put that in in the description. Um, And it's a great podcast. You you should check it out. It's called, it's Emergent Order Podcast. Um, And uh, I think you'll enjoy that as well. Um, In the meantime, I hope you find this useful. This is the first time I've I've done an episode like this. Um, Let me know if if you like the sort of thing. I I plan on doing more. If you like it or not, so ha. But (laughs) I do hope you enjoy it and I'll get better at it. Um, In the meantime, this is Mike Levitt with And If Love Remains. Um, Like it, share it, and um, I hope you got something out of it today.